So our reading today is taken from the book of Matthew and it's on chapter 14. And Jesus walks on the water. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and on ahead uh, to go ahead of him. And he dismissed the crowd. And he had dismissed them and went up the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already considerable distance from the land. Buffeted by the, by the waves, the wind was against it. During the fourth watch, the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. When they said, when they said it's, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out, out of fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got, got down out on the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But then he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed onto the boat, they, then the wind died. Then those who, sorry, and those who were around immediately worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at a place called Gennesaret. And when the men and the place recognized Jesus, they sent out the word all around the country. People brought all their sick out, for, out, sorry, people brought out their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his clock and would all who touched him were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chris. Good to see you all this morning. For these few weeks, we are looking at the way of Jesus and what it is to be people who are, who are seeking to follow the way of Jesus. Um, and on a day when uh, I'm always keen to, to learn from those who are, who are away, ahead of me, who've got, got things to teach me about the way of Jesus. And on a day when we're thinking, when we're uh, remembering sacrifices made in wartime, I, um, I thought I could quote uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. For those of you that don't know about him, he was a German pastor whose active opposition to the Nazi regime led to him being imprisoned in 1943 and executed in 1945 for his re resistance. He was somebody who knew what it was to pursue the way of Jesus, which eventually led to his death. So I feel like he's got something to teach me about what it is to follow the way of Jesus. And this is something that he said. He said to confess and testify to the truth as it is in Jesus, and at the same time to love the enemies of that truth, his enemies and ours, and to love them with the infinite love of Jesus Christ is indeed a narrow way. To believe the promise of Jesus that his followers shall possess the earth, and at the same time to face our enemies unarmed and defenseless is indeed a narrow way. The way is unutterably hard, and at every moment we are in danger of straying for it, from it. If we regard this way as when we follow in obedience to an external command, if we are afraid of ourselves all the time, it is indeed an impossible way. 
But if we behold Jesus Christ going on before us step by step, we shall not go astray. As Bonhoeffer knew, God's ways are not our ways. As the Bible tells us, God's ways are not our ways. It's not our instinctive way to lay down our lives in service of another. That's why we take time on Remembrance Sunday uh, to remember those who have done that in the context of war. Paul writes in the letter to the church in Rome, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's ways are not our ways. And this quote is probably something I've found myself quoting a bunch of times, particularly when I'm a bit confused about what God is doing. What God's ways are not our ways. But what strikes me today about it is that if that's true, if God's ways, if we want to follow Jesus and his ways are not our ways, then sometimes we're going to need to turn around. If we want to be following the way of Jesus and God's ways are not our ways, then sometimes we need to turn around so that we're walking in his way. And following on from Jesus feeding the 5,000 last week, making a way out of no way, we see him strolling across a stormy lake this week to encourage his disciples. And it's a familiar story, but I've definitely had some, some fresh insights from it. So uh, let's keep our Bibles open and see what, see what the Lord uh, is bringing to you this morning in this, this story, which might be very familiar. And my encouragement for the way we're going to try and get into it today is to keep our beady eyes fixed on Jesus. Ask, what's the way of Jesus? How is he, how is he carving a way that I can follow? And where is it running into my own way? Where do I need to turn around? Um, If I want to be made more like Jesus, if I want to do more of what Jesus did, if I want to follow his way more closely, and if we're disciples of Jesus, then that's what we're about. Here are some ways for me that this passage says, here's where I need to, here's where you need to do some turning around, Jenny. So um, open the Bible. As Chris said, it's on page 981. Um, and there are three immediately in this passage which help me see what Jesus is quick to do, which sometimes our society, which sometimes I am not quick to do. I'm quick to do the opposite. So let's look, we're going to look at these three immediately um, to help us see what Jesus, um, the, the, the things that Jesus, at Jesus' way, and see if, it's, see if it's the same as us, see if we might need to do some turning around. I'm going to work from the, from the end backwards. The third immediately is that Jesus is quick to rescue And how can we be a community that practices rescue in a world that is quick to turn away? And the second immediately is that Jesus is quick to encourage, to speak courage into people. How can we be a community practicing encouragement in a world that is quick to condemn? And this first one, the reason I'm doing this in reverse order is this first one's going to need a little bit of unpacking. So I'm going to need some help because I am um, just trying to think, yeah, what's, the, what's, what's going on here? And there's, there's a couple of things going on and you might be able to help me discern um, or help one another discern what's happening. Verse 22, the first immediately, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go over to the other side. Jesus has got things to do. He's heading for Genesaret to heal and to teach, and he sends his disciples on immediately. Cross over to this new place. Genesaret is Gentile territory, so he's crossing a cultural boundary. He's crossing a religious boundary. He's crossing an ethnic boundary. And it's on the other side of the lake, so he's crossing a physical boundary. In fact, in fact he's crossing an impossible boundary. He's so driven to cross, cross over to the other side that he will either cro- even cross what's not, in, what's not possible, what's not human, humanly possible. He's moving his body to somewhere different. So he's quick to send his disciples 
He's quick to go, to quick to cross boundaries in a world that is quick to build walls. Now, the activists among us and the apostle, those with apostolic gifts among us are going, yes, yes, I hear this. I want to be following Jesus across the boundaries. That is, that's, what, that's where I'm going. This is, the, uh, this, is my, this is my kind of call. Activists among us love to hear this and love to see this part of Jesus' ministry. And every church of Jesus Christ needs apostles and activists and pioneers and boundary crossers to stretch us and to cross and to prod us and to provoke us. So we are, as Elizabeth said in her home group, uh, not just contained within our walls, but going outwards. The church of Jesus Christ needs uh, apostles and needs pioneers and needs boundary crossers, needs, to follow, needs us to follow Jesus in this way. And... Jesus' first step to get to that new place, did you notice he immediately sent his disciples off so that he can spend time alone with the Father? He sends them away so that he can go up the mountain. You guys go on ahead. I need, before we do this, I need to spend some time with God. So he's also quick to pray in a world that is quick to react. So whilst it is the way of Jesus to cross boundaries and extend the reach of his, Christ, of his kingdom, yes and amen, it's also his way to prioritise time alone with his father to the extent that he literally misses the boat. When was the last time you or I literally missed the boat, missed an appointment, cancelled a social engagement, said no to something because of the bigger yes that we were saying to Jesus? And the contemplatives among us and the prayers among us and the intercessors among us are like, yes! Bring me up the mountain. I want to spend time alone with Jesus. You guys go on ahead. I'm going, to ha- I'm going to be here and worship Jesus. And every church, the bride of Jesus, needs the contemplatives, needs the intercessors, needs the prayers to root us, to root Jesus' bride. So this, that's where the first immediately left me. What do you reckon? Are we called to be a community which follows Jesus up the mountain or are we called to be a community that follows Jesus over the lake? Would you turn to someone near you and see what you think? See if you can help, it, help one another out to see what, what's Jesus asking us to do? Cross the mountain or go over the lake? I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to feedback. This is just a... What, risk, what do you respond to in your gut, in your soul? So... Um, all of us will find us responding to one or other of these a bit more willingly, a bit more readily. Some of us will instinctively head to the mountain and perhaps we need to exercise our lake crossing muscle. And some of us will ins- to, to follow some- Jesus somewhere new and uncomfortable. And some of us will instinctively head for the lake and perhaps we need to exercise the mountain, cr- mount- mountain heading muscle to say no to FOMO. And to say, no, I'm going to miss the boat in order to spend time with my Father in heaven. As a community, we need each other in our different wirings to challenge and to provoke and to, and to remind and to extend and to stretch. As Elizabeth said, this is one of the ways in which our, our small group can really help us to stretch us in the areas where we need stretching, where our muscles of Jesus following need stretching in some non-instinctive directions. So that was the first immediately. First, immediately, pretty characteristically of Jesus, messes with us all a little bit. His ways are not our ways, and we need one another as a community to grow in those ways that are not instinctive to us. Second, immediately, verse uh, 27, 
The disciples are terrified, as we can well understand. And what does he immediately do? Jesus is quick to encourage. Take heart, it's me. Don't be afraid. In our mind's eye, let's look around our community. Let's look around those people we know. Uncertainty has become our certainty. Many can't remember what solid ground feels like. Many are exhausted. Healthcare workers, particularly heading into another gruelling winter. People depleted by loss, battered by circumstances. Anxiety is at very high levels in our society, especially among young people. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it and the disciples were terrified. I I don't know about you, but I, I feel some resonance with where our community's at, don't you? And immediately Jesus speaks courage to these buffeted, fearful people. And we can receive his message of encouragement. He's always coming towards us. And we can speak it. We can be a community which is quick to encourage. I don't know if any of you have worked in kind of service industries or perhaps you currently are customer service facing. And what difference it makes to receive a word of encouragement in that environment makes all the difference in the world. I noticed the particular way that Jesus encourages them. They're scared because there's a storm. That's a real thing. And they're scared because there's a ghost. That's an imagined thing. They think that something sinister is in charge here. They think their rabbi has left them alone in a stormy and haunted lake. And our world and our community are experiencing some really rough stuff at the moment. That is real. That's a real thing. But we are not abandoned. We can name what is not true. We are in a storm, but this isn't a storm that's haunted by ghosts. It's inhabited by the friendly voice of the Son of God, the creator of the universe. The fearful untruth there on their own just disappears when they hear his voice, when he speaks. So we can receive that truth for ourselves. Whatever, whatever storms we're going through, we can receive the truth that we are not abandoned in them. And we can embody that truth for our community. This is a storm, but we're not alone in it. As we show up to us, to one another and to our community, we, can be, we become that encouragement. I read some time ago that worry is the act of imagining the future without God in it. Circumstances might continue to be stormy, and Jesus doesn't at first calm the storm. The circumstances at first don't change, but he points to himself, and the imagined threat disappears. You're not abandoned in your storm. So I want want us to practice. Repeat after me. Take heart. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. Take heart. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. We can offer encouragement to one another and to our community. Take heart. Jesus is there. Don't be afraid. Rachel shared that she's going to be taking a a lead on our pastoral work uh, with a team, uh, raising a team. And some of us have got particular gifts in that direction, are particularly good at saying, take heart. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. Um, And if that's that's, uh, something that you're already involved with, God bless you. Thank you. And if it's something you want to be more involved with, I'm sure Rachel will be well up for a chat. And we're really encouraged that she's coming into this, this area of work for us as a church. Final little episode as we come to the final uh, immediately. And it's Peter's turn to walk on the water. Whose bright idea is it that Peter walks on the water? Have a look back at it. It's Peter's idea, isn't it? Peter has the idea. If it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. 
Now, here's, here's a challenge. Here's something that, way in which I've been challenged by this. I'm a terrible overthinker. Um, some, of, some of you might, I won't ask you to put your hands up, some of you might suffer from the same affliction. And um, uh, it strikes me that this is kind of an odd idea. Peter is in a perfectly good boat, and it's already going to where they need to go. He's already following in the way of Jesus. You know, he's sent them, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'm on the boat, I'm off, off to go. And Jesus is coming towards him already. Why, why does he need to get out of the boat? If he was going to follow a miracle of Jesus, why doesn't he start with, like, feeding people? As I say, I am an overthinker. So this might be it, but Jesus' ways are not my ways. And here's something I think I need to turn around in. This might be an odd idea, in all honesty, but it seems like Jesus' tendency, when we have ideas which are a mixture of godly boldness and maybe a bit of worldly daftness, I think his tendency is to say, come. Come on out. Jesus is really for us, you know. He's really for us. And if we know Jesus and his spirit is in us and he's prompting us, he's nudging us, he's daring us to greater and greater life in him, to risk crossing the room, to risk crossing the lake, to risk generosity, to risk missing the boat, to risk making a fool of ourselves, to risk the fact that we probably won't get it wrong. Our best ways of approaching Jesus are probably going to, going to miss, the, miss the mark in some way or another to stop something or to start something. Because we are 40 40 human beings like Peter, everything that we do is likely to be a mixture of godly boldness and worldly daftness. But Jesus here says, come, come. He's really for us. I think Jesus, who is perfect, is less of a perfectionist than some of us, some of me. Jesus is less of a perfectionist. We don't have to have it all figured out before we follow him, before we say... I see you being like this and I want to be like it even though I won't get it quite right. And then, of course, it does go a bit pear-shaped and we come to our final immediately. Jesus immediately rescues. He reaches out a hand. When Peter was beginning to sink, Jesus immediately reached out a hand. In a world that is quick to turn away, Jesus is quick to rescue. How can we be a community that is quick to rescue in a world that is quick to turn away? Turn away? How can we be a community that stretches out a hand to those sinking under financial challenges, like through our cat ministry? That rescues those who are sinking in despair with hope that Jesus is with them and is for them. That rescues them into a life hand in hand with Jesus. As Christmas approaches, this is a great time for us to, to reach out practical hands, presenting this truth to our community. Sometimes it's our voice that we bring to share encouragement, to speak encouragement to our community. Sometimes it's our hands stretching out to rescue someone, practical and present help, to use our voices, to use our bodies, not just our heads, to follow Jesus. I'm going to end with a final way that might also be different from ours. To accomplish the things of God's kingdom here in Peckham, here in our neighbourhoods, in our in our community, to accomplish the healings and the reconciliations, the rescues, the transformation. Would we start with us? To build a church back in the first century, we wouldn't necessarily start with a collaborator with the Roman occupiers in the person of Matthew and a zealot or a freedom fighter in the person of Simon. We wouldn't necessarily start to build a church with a bunch of squabbling and fearful disciples. To get across a lake, we wouldn't necessarily choose to walk. To bring new life, we wouldn't necessarily start with death. 
but his ways are not our ways. To find our lives, we might not start by laying them down, but his ways are not our ways. This is the way of Jesus. It is something of a habit of Jesus to choose a no-way way. And all we have, all saints, is our empty hands and our weakness and our fear and our ridiculous mix of godly boldness and misplaced human bravado. And he still says, come. He still says, come to us. Come and follow me. Would you like to stand up? We're going to come to to worship and um, just invite the spirit to do what is beyond our capacity to do. Um, The the Lord might be saying different things to each one of us, um, but Jesus invites us to hold out a hand and he'll rescue us, to hold out empty hands and he'll fill us. So if you want to just, I don't don't mind what this expression means to you, but if you want to just hold out your hands, if you're in any way saying yes or help or save me or fill me or send me, do you want to just put your hands up um, as a way of saying whatever yes it is, whatever yes it looks like. And we thank you, Jesus, that whatever we're, whatever we, whatever's going on in our boat, whatever fears, whatever courages, whatever ridiculous ideas, whatever bold ideas, whatever good instincts we have, whatever shameful things we bring to you, you're saying, come. And we come to you. We come, Jesus. We want to follow you. Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill us where we need filling? Because we want to follow you and that means you living in us. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit.